Lap that clock. Mm. Uh, clock. Mm. Red, lights, red lights are on. Red so, lights are on. We live. We hot. So I FaceTime Adam, right, on the way over here. Your son, not mine. My, Adam. Yeah, not sexy Adam. Not yeah. sexy Adam. It's okay. my son, Adam. And because he didn't see me last night, I didn't get to tuck him into bed. Cause yeah, he was upset about it. Adam was upset about he was it. Very upset. He's very upset. You know what he, he already told me. Mm. So he's got the age now where he can he can hit me with like some smart ass remarks. He'll be like, "I haven't seen you in so long. I forgot how you look like." <laughs> Come on, man. You need, why don't you go back on the top with some cerebral shit? Look in the mirror, son. <laughs> yeah, I should have. You're right. <laughs> you should have got over the top. Just mind fuck a little bit. <laughs> yeah. When you understand this, you'll be ready to move on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Welcome back to the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. I am happy to introduce you to my co-host, my partner in time, the one and only Said Omar. Oh, thank you, man. I'm happy to introduce you to my partner in crime, Chris Nahibi. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Go ahead. Bum, 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 bum. DJ Room behind the ones and twos. That's the man with the master plan. The man... Who helps us out when you can't see him, but you can hear him. The myth, the legend. Man, the myth. Damn, the that's an intro. Yeah, yeah. you wanted Thank more. You guys. I mean, is that worth the five bucks you promised me? Yes, it is. Okay. Well, because yeah. I'll, I'll be taking that <laughs> yeah. post show. Thank you. Um, I will apologize in advance for Saeed, for those of you listening, going like, you know what? He's, he's a little out of juice this episode. We had a late night in the studio last night. Oh, we? You. I was here till just before midnight. Saeed was here till 2.30 in the morning. Yes, Yeah, because he was drunk off his ass. He had a sober drunk up. Off, yeah, I mean, don't <laughs> yeah. do that. Do I get drunk in the studio, told, Saeed? I had to tell Uber, drop me off here first. I need to sober up. He's like, listen, I'm going to go home, but I need, I need, I need waters. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had one of those nights in a very long time, thank God. I don't want another one of those yeah, nights. I'm done with those. Uh, so we had an electrician in here. We wired up some, some things, trying to get the lighting set up. And we're probably going to change the set at some point in the future. But long story short, Saeed is a little low on gas. So this is our opportunity, Arun, for you and I to just trash the shit out of him because he's defenseless. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he has zero energy. You guys always, tra you guys yeah, always trash me. What do you mean? No, we don't oh, do it intentionally. You're all over here now? Yeah, oh, I feel on. like that's not true. The last episode really highlighted how fucking ruthless you can be. The end of that episode, you were being mean, man. <laughs> you got mad at me for siding with Chris on a valid point. You what? did. Wow, wait. Oh, dude, what did you tell me in the car on the way home? Chris, Chris is an asshole. <laughs> Why was he such okay. an asshole? Sorry. Hey, when do I'm I not, not say I'm that? Not, hold on. Home. I'm not going to let you get away with this shit. Okay, you want to do this? That's that's a pretty rational explanation. <laughs> yeah, why? Why was he an asshole? I mean, God, I don't remember. I don't remember. Listen to the episode again. We'll tell you. What did I do that was so bad? You cut me off from sex talk. Oh, yeah. Oh, he was just mad because I said and that he opened. by sex talk, I mean sports talk. Odun sports talk. He's just mad because I said he opened up Mott's apples, apple juice with his ass. <laughs> I had to explain that to somebody today. They're like, why did you name the episode Apple Juice? And I'm like, well, you see, uh, you kind of have to listen, but it sounded like a Mott's Apple Juice opening. And they're like, you put that in the show title? I said, yeah, I couldn't say opens Apple Apple Juice with ass. Good man. In the title. Kids these days don't know what Mott's Apple Juice is. The little glass jars. Yeah, they don't know. You know, with a little. Yeah. yeah, okay. All right. Well, this week's episode will contain a lot of interesting information because the economy, believe it or not, as much as we thought things were getting stable, has become very unstable. And I'd like to say that it's it's the things that we knew were going to make it unstable, but it actually wasn't. So the 10-year treasury we've talked about on previous previous episodes, the uh, everything you know about the bond market episode, which I would say is about four or five episodes behind us now by the time you hear this, maybe even six. Mm -hmm. uh, it's worthwhile to go back and listen to any of the stuff we talk about today is confusing because we are, we are going to talk a little bit about the 10-year Treasury yields breaking 4.9%. I think they may have actually hit 4.99, if not 5% today, which is the first time since 2007. There's going to be a lot of references back to the time period right before or during the Great Recession because a lot of the data is hitting all those markers again. Right. So... Interesting time in the economy. Big banks are quietly cutting thousands of employees again after a first round of layoffs during Q1 and Q2 of this year. And there's probably more coming. Bank of America has apparently warned consumers that they could be, quote, pushed to the point of pain. Mm. Now. Uh, Brian uh, Moynihan. You're late to the party, my guy. I am going to open up a special can of whoop-ass for Brian later on in the episode because... <laughs> I don't know why the in I mean, I, I, listen, he's got a great resume. He's a smart dude. But I don't know why the industry doesn't call bullshit more on Brian. Yeah. Brian does some shit. 
It look. It sounds like Brian Moynihan is always six months behind the data curve. Exactly. Like someone put a June report on his desk, and he's like, "Fuck it, I'm not. I don't depend on a new one. <laughs> this still, I'm gonna read this one. Exactly. It's still good. It's still relevant, right? He's deciding shit, and you're like, "What in the fuck world is he living in? Yeah. And this is what happens when you're so goddamn rich. You don't know what's going on. Mm-mm. He doesn't know a loaf of bread is more expensive now. Yeah, exactly. He's- I bet you he hasn't been in the grocery store in years. Right. Like somebody in his house has a responsibility of cooking food for him. Yeah. And goes out and gets groceries, and it's not somebody related to him. Door dashing everything. Oh, door dash, please. Hey, uh, Ruth Chris, I need you to send over your chef. <laughs> Wolfgang Puck? Yeah. Right uh, this way. I'm going to need dinner tonight at my house. And do me a favor. Uh, wear a skirt. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's kind of ridiculous stuff. Peter Schiff called bullshit on Bank of America and, of course, Brian Moynihan in the exact same day mm-hmm. uh, with a tweet that I thought was impactful. I think I shared it with the boys, and the boys put it in the show notes. Is that how that went down? No, I found the tweet, my friend, and I, I shared it with that. you. Oh, did you? Okay. <laughs> of course. Tomato, tomato. Right. It's Chris is all the heavy lifting. <laughs> Home sales are on track for the slowest years since the housing bust. Said had an interesting uh, quote for that article as far as timing goes, which is worthwhile mm-hmm. to note. And, of course, oil has now jumped. Uh, prices are getting kind of weird. And I will say the Biden administration in particular has had a very strange way of handling our stockpile oil reserves, releasing our, our historic reserves at the same time while OPEC is cutting supply. A lot of weird stuff here. We'll get into some stock stuff and secondary market and a wonderful review from a realtor out there who's a listener. We appreciate you. That review meant a lot to all of us. And I think I love uh, when we get the reviews from the realtors. Really? Yeah. I, I thought this one was just really well articulated. He was he was very, very articulate. Because, because I know a lot of what we say spells doom and gloom for them in their industry. Yeah. And the fact that um, they can still find it in their hearts to leave us an honest five-star review says a lot about that individual. Yeah, it does. Yeah. More than that to come. So, kicking us off. Deep breath through your nose, Saeed. Let's go. Cleansing breath. Let's go. Gas up. Yeah. Get a shot of that Red Bull. This, this hurts me. Does it? Okay. Big banks are quietly cutting thousands of employees and more layoffs are coming. This according to CNBC. Well, I found it originally on the chart of the day, and uh, it was an interesting kind of polarity between some of the banks. So you had J.P. Morgan Chase, you had Citi, you had Bank of America, Morgan Stanley, Wells Fargo, Goldman Sachs, all the big banks, and they were all charted against one another. They essentially looked a little flat on their profitability and their percentage of changes, but the article itself was interesting. The largest American banks have been quietly laying off workers all year, and some of the deepest cuts are yet to come. Even as the economy has surprised forecasters with its resilience, lenders have cut headcount or announced plans to do so, with the key exception being the one and only J.P. Morgan Big Balls Chase, (laughs) the biggest and most profitable U.S. bank, who just happened to snatch up a little bank called First Public Bank not too long ago. Just a little tiny one. A little tiny one. Mm. Jamie Dimon's like, all right, (laughs) if you need me to acquire somebody, I'll do it. Welcome. Do you know if they've removed the signages of First Republic Bank? Hashtag blessed. You know, I haven't been by one. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think we'll find that on Google either, so ruin don't waste your time on that one. But yeah. I should uh I should I used to really know the management team over there and I haven't uh I haven't kept in contact with anybody. I probably should. Yeah, we I had some family members working over there too. Yeah, you did. What and the one that I, I know, she was really sweet. I hope she's okay. She landed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She's okay. sweet and she's doing great. All right, so continuing on from the article. Pressured by the impact of, guess what, higher interest rates on the mortgage business, and we explained that in the big bond episode, the bond market and the mortgage-backed security market, which influences mortgage rates, they compete for dollars, and when one goes up, they tend to both go up, hence the pressure on the mortgage business. Wall Street deal-making and funding costs, and the next five largest U.S. banks cut a combined 20,000 positions so far this year, according to company filings. Mm. Yikes. So, and what, is this, what does this spell for them? What are they seeing that's around the corner that they felt like there's some worry ahead? Well, so if you look at the chart here, obviously uh, this kind of points out the article, all the, all the large banks, obviously, except for J.P. Morgan Chase, and J.P. Morgan Chase only hired incrementally. Uh, but I wonder how much of their, quote, hiring was the acquisition of First Republic versus their total actual hiring count. Yes. But uh, I don't know how they, how they document that. So this is a really interesting time in the economy. We, they announced many of the banks in the first couple of quarters that they were doing this. They were very forthcoming with the pressures that they, they knew they were going to experience. 
So I don't think this is really newsworthy anymore to most news outlets because people heard it for the first six months of the year. Hmm. What does this mean for banks, you said? Well, I know in the beginning of the year when they were when they were cutting, you know, thousands of jobs, it was because they, they wanted to maintain their profitability, right? Yeah. And they knew that, you know, future rate hikes were still ahead. Mm-hmm. And as of right now, there's a 90% chance that there won't be a Fed interest rate hike in November. Approximately. And yeah. Approximately. And somewhere around a 70% chance that there won't be one in December either, even though the summary of economic projections predicted that the Fed would raise the rates one more time by the end of the year. A majority of the members said it anyways. So this would be a good time to pause and say, look, if you're a listener to the show and you're a little confused about where the market's going and what's happening, I would say that's probably a very normal, rational feeling for what's happening in the economy right now. Yes. The data is not going quite the way the Fed wants it to. There's a lot of polarity as far as opinions go on whether whether or not the system can even handle 25 basis points or more. The Fed themselves in the summary of economic projections has been very confusing about whether or not they really truly believe 25 basis points, quote, may be necessary or not. Right. There are those that are hawkish, meaning that they want it, and those that are dovish, meaning that they don't want it. But even the ones that have been hawkish who said that they don't want it have now started to reverse course. And I feel like they feel like we may have reached that point, but they don't want to come out and declare it just yet. Like Philadelphia Fed President uh, Harker mm-hmm. came out, I think, today. And Bo- said, Bostic came out today, too. Yeah, Bostic from Atlanta, mm-hmm. right, and Waller from New York. They all are saying, I think we've reached a point now where we can we can stay, but you're not going to hear Jerome Powell say that. Absolutely right? not. Well, and now more than ever, I mean, I've been really frustrated with the FOMC and the Fed and, and a lot of their public statements in the last couple of years. But now more than ever, they need to be really careful mm-hmm. because we got a really hot jobs print, right? Yep. We got a really hot, what was the other print that came out just recently that was really hot? CPI. Oh, uh, no, consumer spending. Oh, consumer spending. Consumer spending came out. That was really hot. Those two off of the CPI and PPI prints didn't really go the Fed's way. And they both triggered a response in the bond market, which we'll talk about here in the not too distant future. And because of that, they're really concerned. The FOMC is really concerned that, okay, we did all these things. We thought it was all heading in the right direction. And guess what? Now we're seeing a spike back up in a lot of their measuring indicators. Sure, core inflation is coming down. But Peter Schiff's stance on this has always been for a long time that they need to aim at 1%, not the 2% target rate. And then if you get to 2% aiming at 1%, good for you, not aim at 2 to 3% and then land at 4 which seems to be kind of where we're at. Right. So, I mean, to your point, Peter Schiff came out today and said, for the first half of the year, Bank of America reported pre-tax income of $48.1 billion. Yep. Okay. And Chris will break all this down on what this means. Yet they ignored an additional $95.9 billion loss on its hell to maturity uh, securities. So the bank actually lost $47.8 billion. It's in worse shape now than when it was bailed out in 2008. So, yeah, and uh, Bank of America had a really shitty track record as far as being bailed out goes. But let me... Let me be clear on a fundamental disconnect that most people who do not have an accounting background can't and do not appreciate. If your home goes up and down in value, but your mortgage payment stays the same, right? Because you've locked in a rate and you've got payments based on your debt load on the property. It doesn't matter to you if the home's up in value or down in value. I zillowed my home today and it was over 800,000. It blew my fucking mind. Mm -hmm. I bought this property for like 350,000 years ago. Right. uh, 11 years ago. So for it to be worth that much, I was stunned. But does that mean anything to me? No, mm-hmm. because it's only worth the amount that I get when I sell it. And for all I know, values can go the other way, and it's only going to be worth six hundred thousand to me or five hundred thousand to me. Mm-hmm. So that number is irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. Right. So a lot of what happened to First Republic Bank Signature Bank is they had they had assets on their balance sheet that went up and down in value, and they didn't recognize a big loss until they had a run on deposits. They had to generate some liquidity, so they were forced to sell those things at that time when they were underwater. Right. Imagine you being in your house and somebody loses their job and you have to now sell some of your assets in order to get some extra liquidity to start paying your bills. Exactly what they had to do at at Silicon Valley Bank, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Bank of America hasn't had the run. They've actually had an inflow of deposits as a result of them being, quote, one of the five globally systematic important banks, the GSIBs. Right. And people rush to them to give them deposits. So 
they haven't had to sell any of their assets that are underwater, their bonds, for example. Right. Because bond prices have gone up, right? Bonds that were paying 3% a year, a year and a half ago mm. are now paying close to 5 if not 5% now. Well, the value of your 3% bonds have gone down because you, I can get a better investment going to the street and buying those 5% bonds. You're worth less. So, But they haven't had to sell them, so it doesn't really mean anything. So Peter Schiff's statement is somewhat... Somewhat of, of, of a tongue-in-cheek statement. He's saying if it's they a little had misleading. to sell... Yeah, it's misleading. If they had to sell them today, they would be underwater, but right. they don't have to sell them That's today. That's the problem with it being labeled an unrealized loss. When you hear the word loss, you feel like, oh, it's done with. Like, they've lost yeah. that money, right? But no, if they hold it until maturity, they'll be fine, right? If they don't need to liquidate that, right? Yeah. It's like you saying you could have been a supermodel. I mean, I could have. Yeah, but it's an unrealized gain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. You know. Just like that. That's that's a villain move, man. I was giving you a compliment. You could have been a supermodel, but it's an unrealized thing. Okay. It it could have happened, but you just didn't do it. <laughs> right. Ever. Ever. Not that all. guy. No. <laughs> Question for you, Chris. Oh. Well, hello Ooh. there. Yeah, I was chiming in Let's there. Let's go, baby. Pop it well, off. Since you work at the bank, right? Like are banks adjusting their strategies in response to the changing like the changing of the economy and stuff, especially with the impact of higher interest rates? They don't have a choice, but yes. Um, well, number one, it, it got pretty apparent early on in the year that, and the news is calling this a, quote, credit tightening cycle, but it's not what it is, that banks figured out if rates continue to rise, every dollar I put out now, whether it's a loan or I go and buy a treasury, that winds up being underwater later on, I'm losing money on that. So why put out so many dollars now when I can wait a little bit longer and deploy that capital and make even more money when rates stop rising? So banks pulled back liquidity from the market a little bit, stopped lending as much because they wanted to make sure that the environment was not going to put them in the same situation that they're in today right. behind the eight ball as far as what the assets are on their balance sheet. So to give you an idea, another great example of how mortgage rates and bonds compete if I'm a bank, right, and I've got $100 million, I can put $100 million of money into loans that yield 5%. I can put $100 million of money into bonds that yield 5%, right? Both of them are going to pay me back over time. If it's 10-year bonds, I get paid back over 10 years. If it's a 30-year mortgage, I get paid back over 30 years. So at some point in time, I got to pick which investment's a better return. But in this case... Mortgage rates are rising. Bond prices are rising. Either one that I go too far into right now, I'm effectively going to lose money when next year those rates are going up. Now, if rates were going down, I could put out a ton of money right now because I'm not going to make any more, I'm not going to be able to increase my profits any more than I am right now. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a, it's a long-term game. And for the last 14 years, rates were either flat, right? Or going down. So you just deployed as much money as you could into the markets, buy as much as you can, because guess what? You're, you're only going to see rates go down farther. You're not going to see them go up. <clears throat> right. That was an unrealistic and unhealthy perspective, unfortunately. Yeah. So when the Fed wants to stimulate the economy, they drop their Fed funds rate lower and lower, right? Because it'll, it'll create activity out there in the market, and it'll make it cheaper to borrow money, and banks will do more. When they raise the interest rates, what they were hoping to, ha what they were hoping to have happen was by the banks also reducing their lending, it was going to help them reach their goal sooner. Unfortunately, the consumers still was out there and they were spending, right? And yeah. that's really what's been propping up this economy. And they still are. Well, I've got a different theory. And I'll, we'll jump into Brian Moynihan and some of his douchebaggery afterward, but this actually kind of dovetails nicely to this. So my concern for the Fed and why I think they need to be hesitant is I would argue that we haven't seen the organic economy's real numbers. We have seen a GDP number that has been propped up by government spending and government contracts. And we're continuing to see this quote GDP number, that, this growth, mm -hmm. but we're also spending hundreds of billions of dollars in Ukraine. Hundreds of billions of dollars will go to Israel of, of that I have no doubt. And you got more money going towards this South Korea weird initiative You've got all sorts of government spending outside of just the conflict stuff. Contractors that are doing all sorts of weird shit. It, it's, it's, and I'm, I haven't run the numbers on this, but I would, I would venture to guess we're probably close to or if not at the highest government spending we've ever had. Yeah, man. 
So when you combine that with the fact that Fed funds have increased our debt payments and our cost to pay our own debts as a country. It's, yeah, it's getting higher and higher. You're, you're seeing this crazy amount of spending, which in my mind, if you net that out, I would, I would venture to guess our GDP number is a lot healthier than it looks, but the Fed can't care right. about that. They have to look at the act. The, the government's working against them. Right. So with all, and we talked about this early on months ago, right? That the Fed's going to continue to hold course with their high interest rate for quite some time. And the pain will be in the hold. And we thought that they were going to continue to hold except for one of two things were to happen. If there was some type of collapse in the financial markets, right? Or if there was a geopolitical event that occurred. Yes. We and did. we talked about yes, this like six months ago. And right now there's a lot of instability. I mean, we're, we're all plugged into the news. We all know what's going on, right? We're not going to get political here. How fucking wild is it that a geopolitical event actually happened? Actually happened, right? That's so fucking then wild. That I was we listening. That. I was listening to one of my uh, favorite uh, guys on YouTube, right? Clear Value Tax. Oh, uh, I thought it was the higher standard. Uh, yeah. Where you should go, like, subscribe, follow, click the bell, get some notifications. No, no, no. But then, but before that, right? Even before that, there's sexy links down below in the show notes. Yeah. That you should be clicking. And, you know, helping yourself to become sexier. So if you don't know, we are officially sponsored by the one and only Transcend Company. Not only do they do hormone replacement therapy, if that happens to be something that you are medically in need of or just need a little help with, but they also do anti-aging. Uh, I, for one, had a huge throat clearing issue. It took BPC-157 from them. And frankly, uh, it really, really helped my digestion. I was not expecting it to do what it did. And uh, I only wish I knew about it sooner. So... I was hesitant when I originally went to them as a client, and I still use their products to this day, so I'm not telling you to do something that I haven't done myself or talked about on the show many times. But what I will tell you is the process was actually really interesting. So I clicked the same link that's in our show notes. It was for somebody else's link at the time. But if you want to click on it, click on it there. You fill out a form. It takes two seconds, name, address, telephone number. That's about it. And someone will reach out to you and connect the way you prefer, text, email, phone call, and they'll walk you through the whole process. I, I talked to somebody, didn't really feel like a sales call, more like felt like, hey, what do you need? I got blood work done. You don't have to if you're doing some of this, the anti-aging stuff. But uh, I, I found the whole process fascinating. They make it pretty convenient, right? It yeah. is super convenient. That being said, if you want to help us out and you've been saying, hey, how can we support you guys? Click the link, put your name in, figure out what works for you and if it's something that you're interested in. And if it's not, it's all good. But even you just clicking the link and talking to somebody, that helps us out yeah. too. Yeah, just getting a consultation. So back to... The clear value tax guy, right? So what he did, he did a breakdown of some of these numbers that we're sending out. So apparently Israel's asking for $10 billion. I saw that. And mind yeah. you, mind you, we already- That's a crazy ask, man. Crazy ask. But mind you, we already budget a certain amount of dollars every year in our budget to send their way, right? Because they're an ally, okay? The UK asked for an additional $24 billion. Here's what's crazy about that, okay? Not the UK, the Ukraine, right? They asked for an additional $24 billion. If they do get that, that will now take them up to approximately $130 billion received. Mm -hmm. The food stamps program in America right now budgets for $110 billion. Yep. But $130 billion will go to Ukraine, right? Mm -hmm. We're not going to make it political. We're just talking numbers here, right? Can you imagine what we could do with that internally? So you're telling me you could double people's food stamps? Yeah. Think about that. that. That's huge. And that's what the guy on Clear Value, that's not my take. That was his take. I don't want to steal it from him, but I thought it was brilliant. No, it's a, it's a brilliant play, and it goes to show you how egregious some of the, the government spending is. Now, this is all under the, the auspice, the idea that supporting our allies and supporting the people that, you know, right. that are, are, are democratic in freedom, you know, some I, I of it is an, some of it ideological is partners is probably the way to put it, but there's there's a lot politically that goes beyond that. But yeah. let's move on to Bank of America. Bank of America warned consumers they would be pushed to the quote point of pain end quote. And CEO Brian Moynihan <laughs> Moynihan Moynihandy he wants <laughs> says uh, somebody needs to hand him some current data. He says we now reached that point. This is the same guy who no more than a year ago was like I don't see anything on the horizon. It's problem. Consumer's in great shape. Yeah, we're a consumer bank. He was doing uh, ayahuasca, some shit in Wyoming at the last banking conference, and he's out there going, look, man, I just feel aligned, man. I love you all. The consumer's in great shape. Our deposits are increasing. 
Yeah, imagine going somewhere and there's a shaman. Yeah, I'm pretty walk, sure there is. Walking around, Brian. I know his name. <laughs> What's his name? Come on, man. Jamie Diamond. Oh. He's walking around. He's the shaman. Brian, <laughs> drink this ayahuasca. It'll show you the way. By the way, your bank fucking sucks. I'm going to buy you in a year and a half when you <laughs> fail. <laughs> you know what happened to First Republic. Too much ayahuasca. Bad trip. That's what happened. Yeah. yeah. All right, from the Fortune article, it's a message now echoing in every corner of Wall Street. Consumers have finally run out of steam. Well, mm. not from the article, just from my heart. Bullshit, because guess what? Consumers' spending was up, and that's what propped up the 10-year number and started spiking back up again because everybody in the economy was like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, man. So not necessarily true, but that's not something that's uncommon with Brian Moynihan Speaks. It's usually half-truths. So let's continue to parse to the information, shall we, Saeed? Let's do it. Let's do it. It's also an eventually an eventuality Bank of America has predicted since March when... What? March? <laughs> when analysts warned that the Fed would push consumers to the point of pain in order to tame inflation. And now, according to the Bank of America CEO, Brian Moynihan, that time has come. Speaking to CNBC's Squawk on the Streets, Moynihan said... The way consumers are acting is consistent with a low-growth, low-inflation economy, which the U.S. saw from 2016 to 2019. <laughs> Sorry, Brian, that's the wrong answer. <laughs> it's actually similar to an economy in 2007. To 2010. That we also know is the Great Recession. Right. But don't worry, more on that to come. I'm going to prove Brian Moynihan wrong with a little thing called data. Oh, so good. Hurts me to hurt you. Brian, really I wonder if he listens to this show like these motherfuckers are at it again. No, and, somebody know, tag him. Yeah, he's like, listen, Wolfgang, I want you to listen to this podcast and tell me what it says while you're cooking me dinner in your skirt, goddammit. He's got an Instagram, right? No, he does not have an Instagram. Bro, Jerome Powell, he's, he's on the IG? Yeah, come on, these guys come are on. too rich for that. Yeah. They pay somebody else to go stalk somebody on Instagram. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care. What, is, what is he going to miss out on when he looks at Instagram? He right. got no FOMO. Come on, he's going to miss out on all the cool reels. He's the kind of guy who can wake up and be like, you know what? I want to buy a Ferrari. And just go buy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you think so? Yeah. He's the kind of guy who's like, you know what? I want to retire in like, just do nothing. <laughs> and can do it. And can do it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's done well for himself. From 2021 to 2022, that spend grew by 10%, Moynihan said, and began dropping to 9% in the first quarter of 2023. Now that growth figure has dropped to 4.5%, he added, signaling consumers are either too nervous to spend the money they have or have less in their pandemic-boosted savings account to sustain their spending levels. Mm. Quoting Moynihan directly, that is the same of September and October, Moynihan continued. That growth rate is consistent to where we were in 16, 17, 18, and 19. He can count, apparently. Which was a low-growth, low-inflationary economy. Consumers' activity has slowed down. It's slowed by half, and that means the consumers are, is, are, consumers are being slowed down by the interest rate environment and all the stuff going on. So basically, this whole dog and pony show by Moynihan right. was to try to co-sign Jerome Powell, his boy JP. Yeah. Him saying that consumers may be too nervous to spend their money, as they should be. They should have been too nervous over six months ago. This guy is so detached from how consumers live right. in like the mainstream of society. And his data is so flawed. It, it just pisses me off to no end. Yeah. And every single time this guy speaks, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, what analyst in your bank is prepping you for this shit? Because that guy needs to be fired. Right. Or a girl or person or whatever. Right, exactly. It's just, it's so bad. And then, of course, Peter Schiff tore him a new asshole with his comment about unrealized losses, which we already talked about. Mm -hmm. So all grain of salt for Bank of America. Right, exactly. Arun, now if you care to walk me into the next article. Ah, uh, yes. Well, I hate, I hate to say it because we've got some great reviews from some realtors lately, and, and I love my real estate professionals, wholesalers, lenders. All of them. I'm shedding a tear for you right now. I love you. But this one ain't for you. This one's for, this one's for the game. <laughs> Got to do this one for the game. The Wall Street Journal, home sales are on track for the slowest year since the housing bust. Residential real estate market hindered by mortgage rates, limited inventory. And we got a lovely little chart to show you, but um, it's not a pretty one. No. Yeah. 
If you like aqua blue or Tiffany blue, it might make you think of some happy thoughts. But uh, the reality is the chart just seems to signal the fact that, uh, well, we've fallen off a cliff as far as mortgage and, and I'm, I'm sorry, mortgage and home sale activity. No, I've goes, never liked man. Tiffany blue. What? Yeah. You can't see it because you're colorblind, though. Right. You, can you tell it's Tiffany blue or you just look gray to you? Like, what is it? No, what no, it, like? it looks teal. It's because Tiffany blue is teal. Is it? Okay. So then it, there it is. Wow. This is very. What color do you think the mic? Cup thing is there right there. This one? Yeah. Like a greenish? That's Tiffany Blue. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's our logo color. <laughs> we had this conversation. <laughs> All right. The highest mortgage rates in 23 years are dragging down home sales to their lowest level since the subprime crisis period. Sales of previously owned homes in 2023 are expected to dwindle to a rate not seen since at least 2011. Wow. When the U.S. population was smaller, and the country was still recovering from one of the worst housing crises ever, according to many economists' forecasts. Chen Zhao, economist research lead at real estate brokerage Redfin, estimated that the total existing home sales in 2023 would amount to around 4.1 million, which would mark the smallest number of sales since about 2008. The year that uh, the world-famous Lehman Brothers collapsed and sparked the global financial crisis that we lovingly and affectionately call the Great Recession. R.I.P. Zhao said sales are unlikely to pick up much next year, with mortgage rates likely to remain at elevated levels. This year's housing slowdown is very different from the previous one, obviously. After the housing bubble of the early 2000s burst, Back then, the economy entered a deep recession and millions of people lost their homes to foreclosure. 2.9 million. We also don't believe that it's going to happen again, but we do believe we'll see a flood of sale activity. Right. This time around, home sales have been slowing for more than a year because of the rising borrowing costs, record high home prices, and very limited inventory of homes for sale. If existing home sales for the full year end up lower than expected at fewer than 4 million, that would mark the first drop below that level since 1995, according to the National Association of Realtors. Bravo. Mm. Bravo. No stuttering, nothing. That's all he was waiting for. He I was, was waiting for him to mess up. He was banking this on it. That was a big one. That was a big one. That was a biggie. <laughs> it was, it was a biggie. Little... But, uh, you know, sometimes you feel like you're in the zone. Today's that day. So with, with this, right, dating back to, it said 2007. And to the, and up the market of 2007 to 2010. Remember, in 2010, we reached unemployment rates as high as 10%. Mm -hmm. That was the highest. Remember, 10% of Americans. 10% of Americans. Right now, we're currently at 3.8%. Yeah. Okay. So, what what does that mean? First, you should note that unemployment peaks after recession is declared over. So far, we have not hit a recession, or a recession has not been declared by. The National Bureau of Economic Research. Who may or may not be alive still. I mean, it's we... Been oddly silent. It's wow. How many people do they employ? We should send somebody over there to make sure they're okay. Yeah, seriously. Something's wrong. <laughs> oh, man. Poor, my mom. My mom's at an age right now where she asked me to, like, can you please just check on me in the morning and at night just to make sure everything's okay? She's starting to get a little worried. That's awkward. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, it's, it's, a, it's a tough time. I feel bad for her. I'm like, her, I think her anxiety's starting to pick up a little bit. She know how to FaceTime? Yeah, man. Should we FaceTime right now on the show? <laughs> Are you alive? All right. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, we're not that big where we could just start making calls yeah. live on the show. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we should send somebody over to make sure that they're doing okay. Um, but that what's going to happen when unemployment continues to p uh, pick up? Because remember, even though the Fed's dual mandate, one, one of the items is for them to provide maximum employment, they know in order to get to their 2% target range of inflation, that unemployment figure needs to go up. Right. So with unemployment going up over the next year, year and a half, people are going to be forced to have to sell their homes. Now, I'm not saying 2.9 million units are going to come online like it did during the Great Recession, but enough to where I do feel like we'll see a correction of somewhere between 10 to 15 percent. Yeah, I think that's fair. But uh, I hope for more, candidly. And I know that's not good news for people in the real estate business or the lending business or wholesale business or you know a lot of real estate professionals out there. But there is a there is a glimmery pot of gold at the end of that really sad rainbow, and that's like, look, if prices dip low enough, we can all buy and have an opportunity to increase our but net what's worth. Dip, but what's dip low enough, right? Because you got to remember, there have been people that have purchased in the last, I don't know, three, four months, mm -hmm. right? That if they were to dip 10 to 15%, we don't know how much money they put down. 
right? They well, could be underwater. No, no. And look, I, I hear that. I hear that for them. But underwater with a 3% mortgage rate in a mortgage you can afford is a lot different than underwater with an adjustable mortgage and a negative AM no, loan, but I'm which some, going into the subprime crisis was common. No, but I'm saying somebody going underwater that bought their house three months ago yeah, I get does that. not have a mortgage rate of 3%. No, they don't, certainly. But in theory, as long as they're paying principal and interest, in, in most cases, I think that's yeah. a good start for them. And you just have to live through it in the house, right? You, right. It'll recover. But let me let me paint a different picture, okay? And, and a grain of salt, hypothetical here. Okay. Okay, everybody get your tinfoil hats on, Rune. You can use your wrapper, sandwich wrapper out there if you want to. Um, look, we called early on that all of this was subject to the economy keeping on par and everything going according to plan from a financial fiscal policy. But we've got two big fucking problems that have really gotten in the way. Okay. Number one, the government walking into an election year is doing some fucking stupid shit. Okay? Yeah, they're not walking hand in hand with the Fed. No, they're kicking us right in the ass, it, us being the Fed. Every single time the Fed does something, they're like, fuck you, pal, fuck you, pal, and just kicking them right from behind. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because they, they, their agenda is clearly different. Mm -hmm. You can't be spending as much money as they are and not be like, just come on. Like, it, it's all so twisted. And then the geopolitical event that we said was a worst-case event scenario where all bets are off, guess what? That shit's happening. Exactly. And this is going to escalate in one form or another. What's gone totally unnoticed by many people is that Russia and China are negotiating deals, cutting the United States out. Oh, yeah, I know. When, Bricks. And this is yeah, this is not like a, a just a coincidental timing situation. Yeah, and they added, I think, another six countries to that. Yeah. Yeah. So now you got a lot of things going on on the world stage which have huge impacts to the U.S. economy that we're so distracted and so unorganized about that we're just letting happen. Right. And not even the mainstream media is covering it anymore because guess what? Everybody's burned out on the mainstream media. Nobody wants to see this shit anymore. Right. So what do you do? You get home instead of watching the news, which used to be a nightly thing in this country. People go, fuck it. I want to go to YouTube and watch Bradley Martin hit on some girl. I want to see some buff dude do a bench press with girls instead of weights. Yeah. Or I want to learn... How to wholesale real estate? Because I don't want to know what's going on in the Gaza Strip right now. Because people want they want to escape reality, right? Or I want to see what happened to Chris when he pissed on his foot. That's what you did, right? You did that. Can't. I just trying to recall, refresh my memory. Do we have a cricket button over here? We found one last night. Is it is it over there still? No. No, we did not. What, what the fuck? No, we found one in the studio last night, remember? Oh, yeah. Odun wasn't here for that. We literally found a cricket inside the studio. Yeah, and then the the electrician, who was the most stoic guy, really didn't want us to kill it. He said it was bad luck. Oh, I didn't want to kill it either. You were the one that killed it. I was like, no, let me take it outside. No, I was talking about the beer you were drinking. No, stop. <laughs> no, I, look, I didn't know it was bad luck. I was well, know. look, right now, Odin, do you mind pulling up the next article with the 10 year treasury from CNBC? So, this from CNBC. 10-year Treasury yield breaks above 4.9% for the first time since 2007. Uh-oh. Look at this. Back to, back to that time range of 2007 to 2010. U.S. Treasury yields rose on Wednesday with the 10-year hitting a fresh multi-year high as investors digested the latest economic data and considered the outlook for the Federal Reserve interest rates. Okay, the 10-year Treasury yield gained around 6 basis points to 4.908%. Rising above 4.9% for the first time since 2007. Meanwhile, the two-year Treasury yield was around flat at 5.22%, near levels last seen in 2006. Uh -oh. So, so yeah, so still that inverted yield curve um, slightly, right? But remember what we talked about here. The 10-year Treasury, when this continues to go up, there's more uncertainty, right? Investors, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, this must be so hard for investors and analysts to price in all of all of the issues that we're seeing right now. They're not all, pricing it in. They're all on the sidelines. Right. Everybody's in the sidelines. How can how can you even begin to predict the geopolitical concerns? Mm -hmm. Right? All that instability. The weird housing data. We got it's earnings season, right? So all all the companies out there right now are reporting earnings. We talked about it before the show. I don't know if you wanted to get into it, but Tesla dropping nine percent. I think Morgan Stanley dropped a significant amount too. Right. So there's clearly some instability there. A lot of uncertainty with what's going on. You also have Fed commentary. Are we, are they going to raise? Are they not going to raise? How do you even begin to price all this in? So for the listeners that are listening, 
right? The 10-year treasury, when these things start to go up or they start to go down, what it's all it's really telling you is how much uncertainty there is and how much risk is associated within that time frame, right? And we've got another thing that we called. We called early on in the year a looming earnings recession. We specifically said earnings recessions on previous shows, and for those of you who are longtime listeners, you probably recall that. This is exactly what I was afraid of. This is exactly what we talked about. And it's these companies are not going to report shrinking profits. And we started with the banking sector. We started with the finance sector. Remember when the first part of the year, lenders, banks, they were laying people off. And apparently some of this is still happening. That being said, it's going to trigger when consumer spending does start to pull back. And we just got a hot print on consumer spending. So we know it hasn't pulled back fully. Despite Brian Moynihan's Brian, Brian weird-ass comments, mm-hmm. he couldn't be more wrong every time. Every time he's every wrong. Every time. It's yeah. like he's doing it on purpose. He's late to the party every time. Hey, Jerome, what do you want me to say? Okay, I got that. I'll, I'll, I'll say in three months. Yeah, can I get the ayahuasca, though? <laughs> like, It's just so weird. But uh, we, we knew this was going to happen. And when consumer discretionary spending pulls back, you're going to see further earnings recessions. And to answer your point, the capital markets, right? So people always talk about how banks aren't a necessary part of the system. And I find it hilarious because, and again, I'm a banker. There's a bias. This is not me being the devil. It's just that everybody's getting their money from banks in one way or another. You might think private equity firm or venture capital, but there's banks behind it. Okay. That's just, it's just the way this works. It's a long convoluted story, but take it, take it for what it is as just like a baseline assumption. All right. The, the entire capital markets, people who want to invest and buy and M&A activity, they're all on the sidelines and they're waiting for things to bottom out. Right now, there's, there's not a lot going on unless you have a compelling reason to merge or to sell. Why would you right now? And why would you buy if you're a buyer? You would wait till somebody's less worth, right? Mm-hmm. There's an earnings recession coming. If consumer spending is pulling back, you're going to wait and see what happens. Right. Everybody's on pins and needles just kind of waiting in the markets. And yet you have some of these comments come out like, oh, if things are optimistic, things are rosy, blah, blah, blah. We had hoped that the treasury was were done rising below sub 5%. And yet here we are hitting effectively 5%, lowest, I mean, highest number since 2007. And it, it's it's compelling information. And yet you still have people like Brian Moynihan in the news with rosy comments right. going like, oh, the consumer is panicking. And it's like, dude, they're going to panic a whole hell of a lot more if you think they're freaking out now. Oh, yeah. So I, I don't know where this all goes, but I'll, I'll tell you, it concerns me greatly that two idiots like us and the smart guy behind the, behind the, the switcher in the back can predict so many of these things so far out that seasoned economists with their bias and everything else were they had to be they had to know because they're smarter than us on some level and they had to be manipulating the consumer. Yeah. They had to be. This had to be manipulation. Right. I totally agree. Now it be, it does beg the question, right? That if they if investors think that this is where it peaks out at. 4.9%, 5%. Do you buy, do, you know, large corporations start buying these bonds when, keep in mind, earlier in the show, we talked about Peter Schiff mm-hmm. was talking about Bank of America having unrealized losses of however many billions of dollars. People are going to be, people are now more afraid to buy and then have an unrealized loss on their balance sheets because who knows, a month from now, this could go up another, you know, however many basis points. And now you have an unrealized loss on your books, mm-hmm. right? So it's well only if you sell it, and there's a key differentiation. Yes, there's, and we, a, we talked about the there's a huge so. part there. Even when it comes to the, this article on Morgan Stanley falling eight percent or Tesla's, you see the headlines about oh Elon Musk lost twenty something billion dollars today because the stock price dropped. He didn't lose money. Okay, his net worth may have gone up or down like the value in your home, mm-hmm. but until he actually has a need to sell assets, it doesn't impact. Let's break that him. down. So Elon owns approximately twenty one percent of Tesla. Okay. Okay. So if the stock price does go down, which, by the way, there's controversy with why, why people think it went down, because he was on the earnings call and there were some things that he was referencing. For the listeners out there, he was referencing all the things that we talk about on the show. He was referencing a high interest rate economic environment mm-hmm. and afraid of how long it was going to stay high for. And he also referenced he was uncertain with the global economy. He didn't, he didn't know how the lag effects that, that were going to take place because Apparently they're in you know close talks to breaking ground on a Mexico plant, 
right? Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard a lot about that. So like he, he's so he, there, when he started like being very careful with his wording on why they haven't broken ground yet, it's because of these events. People were saying that that's the reason why mm. that the stock price went down. Not not that they missed their projections. Which they did miss their projections. The, that, that was I think that was the biggest part of it. They had an EPS yeah. and revenue miss. Arun, can you be a favor real quick? You back there? Yeah. Can you go over and check the air conditioning? Because I'm roasting my ass off. Did you in feel here. it too? You, Jesus I thought Christ! It was... <laughs> I was like, "What the Jesus fuck?" Christ. I was hot here too. I thought I was making a sandwich. I was like, "Yo, did we all forget to turn on the AC like, before we God started?" Damn it! Why? I was like, like "Let my... me get this." Come on. I've been drinking this fucking monster because it's only cold in here. Can you just check that? I guarantee you. It's going to be like at 95 degrees. I love it's, that you called it out mid-show. I was, I was I, in here toasty. I was like, I can't go on like this. <laughs> 15 more minutes of this, and this turkey is done. Yeah. Ding! It's <laughs> like, fuck, why am I, am I nervous? Right? Yeah. So j- just to get into it for the listeners, so if the stock price goes down and he holds a majority of his net worth in the stocks that he owns of, of Tesla, right, then, of course, when that stock price goes down 9%, he lost $24 billion on paper, but he didn't yeah. realize that loss. His net worth may have dropped in hypothetical amounts, but it doesn't change his life. It doesn't affect anything who he is. If I were him and I, that article came out, I'd be like, <laughs> I don't know, man. If I lost if I lost $24 billion still, I don't care who I am. I'm going to be like, God damn. You didn't lose it. He, he, nothing. He I went, know, to, he I went know. to work that day. The market reacted. He went home that day. Nothing changed for him. It's not like he had a capital call against a margin line of right. credit. It just, it was just, you know. Yeah, he didn't really lose it. Yeah, it's just that's that's a clickbait headline that people click on and go, oh shit, let's click on that. And yeah. that's what that's designed for. And that's what bothers me about traditional media. I'd rather someone say, hey, look, Tesla had an earnings miss. They had a revenue miss, meaning they. But a nine percent drop is pretty significant. No, it's man. significant, but it, over the long term. That, that could be nothing. It could still double in value one day, or you know, he could come up with some revolutionary technology. There's a, there's a lot there. So, yeah. so to your to your point, between 2020 and November of 2021, the stock price went up 1,300 percent. Yeah. So I mean, again, 1,300 <laughs> percent. It, it's such a it's such a clickbaity headline. It takes advantage of most consumers not understanding like the macro picture. It's frustrating as shit, man. Yeah. Not a fan. Not a fan. But we we talked about how um, there's a lot of instability with the geopolitics right now, and we referenced it on a previous show, that with that, oil prices are going to start creeping back up. So Iran has been, unfortunately, and for those of you who don't know, I'm, I am partially Iranian. Mm-hmm. Iran has been the biggest wild card in, in so much of the turmoil that's going on here. And they, they could really ratchet a lot of what's going on up. And they're certainly doing that with oil prices. Mm-hmm. Did you read this article? Oil jumps as Iran increases rhetoric against Israel. U.S. stockpiles drop. Mm. What does that mean, stockpiles? Well, the Biden administration has been strategically releasing our stockpiles or our reserve oil to help stabilize the price in the United States. And many people, critics, have been like, why is he doing this? At the same time, OPEC came out and said, hey, we're going to stop producing as many barrels going to the United States as we had historically. And... It, it's, it seems like all strange timing, mm-hmm. right? Like, why are we, why is our reserve at the lowest it's been for so long? Like, why are oil prices still what they are, despite the fact that all these reserves are hitting out? Energy does play a certain part in what's happening with inflation. Is there some political manipulation going on in order to try to keep the numbers the government essentially reports through their agencies, their bureaus, to the Fed so they can do their job? It just all seems really dirty it does seem and what chris means by that is that yes oil does impact energy and energy is a component in the cpi and the pce report that the fed likes to look at but even when they look at core inflation where they remove the energy things like oil bleed into the other components Mm -hmm. right so like transportation your services all these things the cost goes up for you know your wholesalers, and that gets passed on to the consumer. So your goods go up too. So these things bleed over. Whether they want to re- try to remove, you know, the energy portion and say we're only analyzing core inflation, I mean, it doesn't really paint the whole the whole picture. It really doesn't. And this article goes on to say that oil jumped on Wednesday after Iran called for an embargo against Israel amid the Israel Israel Hamas war and drop in U.S. stockpiles signaled increased demand for crude. 
Uh, Brent crude jumped almost 2% to hover around $91 per barrel. Uh, West Texas Intermediate also rose about 2% trading beyond $80 to $88 a barrel. Iran's foreign minister called for the crude boycott by Muslim countries against Israel after bombing at a Gaza hospital, which for which each side is blaming the other one, and there's been a lot of finger-pointing in the media. So it, it just goes to show you how these things are happening, right? And you mm -hmm. think they're isolated to this particular region of the world where there's this fighting going on for reasons that are far beyond the, the intention of this show. And you think it's isolated to them. And from an economic perspective, other people are going to try to make money off this. A great point is before this war broke out in Israel with Hamas, mm -hmm. there were a number of politicians, a number of them, and you can go online, social media, and you can find the names, that literally bought stock associated with wars that would benefit from the breakout of a war. It's a note. I mean, and oil, for example, was another one of the stocks that a lot of these same people were buying. And you're like, well, why would you buy crude oil right now? Why do you think it's going up? Did they know this was going to happen? Mm -hmm. Did they think this was going to be a natural and probable consequence was going to happen? Did Iran say something to them politically that we're not aware of? But now you have the Iranians getting in because of a religious support and because they're anti-West from, again, not being political, not supporting one person or the other, but just saying this is the natural and probable consequence. It did happen. And now it's affecting, monetarily affecting oil prices and the U.S. economy even further. How wild is that? Yeah, man. This is why we said a geopolitical event would throw out all bets. It's always, it's a wild card. It's a wild card. And the wild card, unfortunately could have some long-standing implications that works against what the Fed is doing. If this keeps oil prices high, this keeps inflation high. Mm. We've always said rent and rent equivalent, you know, your rent and your cost to buy a home need to come down to hit your target inflation number. Well, guess what? If oil prices are working against you, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. That's my technical term. It ain't going to happen, bro. <laughs> you know what Not I'm saying? Not today, bro. Not today. <laughs> you have any other articles? Yeah, from the heart. From the heart, really. Give me some. Yeah. Share, share some with me. So Saeed and I uh, and Arun back there have been uh, working with multiple things uh, behind the scenes that we hope we can you know, bring to fruition. Obviously, with our title sponsor, Transand, you'll notice in the show notes. Uh, that was kind of a step one in a longer play. But we also have heard the call. We want to support the show. And we recognize that Transcend isn't going to be the thing that all of you want to do, even though you all should click support and check it out. I mean, they, they even have things as simple as blood work. Yeah. But that being said, we're also working on merch. Woo-wee. The merchy merch. Oh, it's going to be quality merch, too. Well, I, 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 we haven't seen it, so that's that's a big leap, but and, okay. No, but I'm saying we, we wouldn't push something out unless it was quality. Yeah, sure, allegedly. Really? Unless it made us a lot of money. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris and I talked about that on uh, earlier. What? It's going to be a high quality. You and Chris talked about it? Yeah. We stepped out of the office for a minute. We did, yeah. Oh. We're going to we're going to go and actually feel stuff, rub up against it. Got it. You going to try it on? See how it feels up against my loins. Extra tall feel it on my neck, you know. Does it feel is it scratchy, itchy? Every single one of these sweatshirts will be worn by us. <laughs> <laughs> If you find a hair, it's because the quality yeah, you can get hair. Yeah, you can get one that has been worn by someone with laser hair removal. Yeah. Or not laser You'll hair You'll know removal. who wore it if it's fuzzy. <laughs> Dude, there were people during the pandemic that were selling some wild stuff like that. What? There was this girl. I remember that the Mind Pump guys, I think, were talking about it. They were this this girl was literally farting in a jar. No, she still sells that. That's still going on. Yeah, no, I know. She sent you a DM the other day on the, on the show. Stop notes. it, man. <laughs> Girls don't send me DMs. I'm not that guy. Not to your direct account. It's always to your higher standard account. No, I don't. <laughs> nope. Not gonna do this. I'm not gonna do this. Well, in any event, we are working on a logo, which I hope will redesign the THS logo that you've come to know. And uh, we're going to work on merch, starting with hoodies, uh, T-shirts, and a hat. Yeah, man. So uh, That's going to be fun. I can't wait. That's that's really exciting. And it is your responsibility to uh, be a walking billboard for the show. And by walking billboard, I mean you have to tell everybody to leave an honest five-star review. Yeah, like this one very nice, thoughtful listener that was very, very honest. You know? And I, as soon as it, the, first of all, he cited it being a realtor in the, in the, in the headline. And I'm yeah. like, well, this will be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I My eyes immediately went to see how many stars.
Did we offend this realtor? Uh, no, I went. I went immediately to go. Okay, are we down to four point nine? No, five. Okay, so good so, start. So, yeah, yeah, we're, we're still start. we're still rated five stars. And if anybody like Colin Schindler want to leave us an honest five star review, you can head over to Apple or on Spotify. If you want to leave a narrative, go over to Apple Podcasts. All right, read the studs review. It was a good one. Leave it. Okay, here we go. A realtor on board with the higher standard. Five stars. Honestly, you guys could not put out enough of these. I've only been listening a couple months, and now that I'm caught up, I'm always itching for the next episode to listen to on my morning runs. Wow. First of all, if you can run and listen to two, these two idiots, good for you. Yeah, better than squatting and listening to these two idiots. <laughs> yeah, we'll make you shit every time. <laughs> it's not recommended. We're the shark in the middle of your set. <laughs> I do. This is a terrible story to share, but I'm going to do this. Sorry, Shinley. I'll get back to you in a minute. But uh, uh, I... Uh, I went to the, I had something spicy the other day. I don't know what it was. Upset my stomach. And I had, I had a leg day coming up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, gassy and irritable. No. Those are the worst leg days ever, man. You got to skip leg day on that day. No, I went in. But I was stopping every two seconds. People thought I was exhausted. Like, you okay? You're working out hard, huh? I'm like, yeah. You don't- <laughs> Leave, <laughs> Taking <please>. breaks. <laughs> bending over. Right. Doing air squats. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ruin, you don't know what we're talking about, do you? Nope. Yeah, all right. <laughs> you said nope. Maybe all in right. 2007. 2007. <laughs> I appreciate the insight and explanation given on the topics you cover. I especially appreciate your take on the housing market. As a realtor myself, doing around 50 to 70 transactions a year, nothing frustrates me more. It's a lot of transactions. That's a lot of transactions. Pushy realtors painting a rosy colored picture on the housing market. It is entirely self-serving and scary to see these narratives being pushed over social media while a home purchase may still be something that works for some buyers, there are careful considerations that need to be made when making that decision. Goddamn facts. Damn, all the facts. No not, only, not only is the narrative being pushed, my friend, it's being sold to them, packaged, wrapped up, and sold to them by companies like Keeping Current Matters mm. that literally aim to take over their social media for them so they can paint this rosy, optimistic nonsense. Yeah, not only that, even the data from Zillow... Or the National Association of Realtors. Yeah. I mean, very, the list goes on and on. Very lopsided. Even some great economists out there, they're in the pockets of the home builders. So what do they do? They report on home builder favorite data. Yeah. This is not this, this is not like tinfoil hat type of conversations. No, this that's is, just facts. Yeah, it's facts. No Bars. Cap. Bars. I wish other real estate professionals did their due diligence and consumed other information rather than blinding following the National Association of Realtors. There you go. I believe that your guys' goal is to truly preach financial literacy and everyone from every walk of life or profession should be listening Man, to the show. Thank you. First, let's start. Let's go there. Thank you. Honestly. Right. Colin, you're a stud. But I will say it is frustrating as hell when we try to be non-biased and we try, we try to be open and, and honest. And you'll, you'll note that on the show, it's not uncommon for us to say, hey, we are bankers, but because we want to we address it fully. Like we're in the space. We know. Yeah. I'm not being biased, but here's my take on it, and here's why. Is we, we kind of want to recognize the Arun in the room, right? The elephant. And, uh, no? Damn. Okay. Wow. Fucked up, dude. <laughs> he's, been, he had, he's had your back all episode long. No, I still Two episodes in a row. What, for, did you guys plan that? No. Arun, it's obviously sarcasm and hyperbole because you've lost a shit ton of weight, okay? How much do you weigh now? Dude, he honestly... He for sure weighs less than me. He ha- dude, oh, I bribe. always weigh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> How much do you weigh? <laughs> now I got to know. 227. Fuck. Damn. <laughs> do you really? Still a big boy, though. Yeah. Yeah, but you got, you got more muscle than him, though. That's not fair. I weigh 260 pounds, man. That's a lot of muscle. You're also 6'6". Six, six. Really? I'm 6'5". Thank you for the extra inch. Somewhere else, Damn, nobody gives me an extra inch. Nobody gives you an extra inch. And I do feel bad because you sitting next to me just makes you look, like, petite, but you're normal size. Yeah. I'm just abnormal size. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very, because I look like a huge person compared to you on the screen. Because <laughs> I edit this shit, and I'm like, God damn it. Don't do this. I just, like, I'll, I'll tell everyone to go back to episode 168. Remind you of how small you are. He weighs less than me. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah, he weighs like 244 now or some shit. Yeah, Larry Wills. Who? Yeah. <laughs> He's laughing. <laughs> Barry's Meals? Yeah, Larry Wheels. Larry Meals. Oh, <laughs> have you seen that account online? There's there's a guy, Larry Meals. No. Oh, it's 
I think he takes Larry Wheels' photos and he makes like the faces fatter and he comes to Larry Meals. That's a real thing? I think. I don't know if it's a full account, but I've seen like the memes. God, I would love it if somebody actually trolled him by making a fat version of him for every every post he makes. <laughs> no, I would not like I, I want to start that. Oh, Arun, thank you, God. Oh, it's an actual page? It's not an actual page. Larry Meals, is it? No, no, no. no. I think it's just he had one photo where he looked fat and somebody called him Larry Meals. No. He, he should, I don't know why he's not doing a meal plan service called Larry, Larry Meals. Brilliant idea. We just made him a million dollars. Look at that. And all he had to do was repost this once. Once? Once. Everybody get in his DMs. Now now I'm going to start my own troll account called Larry Meals, and every picture he posts, I'm just going to Photoshop it fatter. And then I'm going to send it to all the guys who call out, like the fitness people for like modifying the I photos. love, honestly, one of my favorite type of accounts. Is Goob? Goob. This guy. We got yeah. it. Oh, have you tried reaching out trying to get him on the show? Yeah, twice. Oh, no I, luck, huh? Didn't respond uh, to you? Nope, not yet. Uh Maybe we should Photoshop your face on a real fit body. <laughs> yeah, and then have everyone start tagging you. Yeah. <laughs> Calling you some hairy meals. For those for the for the list hairy meals. <laughs> for the listeners out there that don't know, this guy does a phenomenal job of basically what he's doing is busting these fake influencers for having unrealistic bodies. Dude, they not, they used to be just photos. They're doing it in videos now, too. Oh, yeah, man. Probably with AI now. I don't even know how you... How do you make... like? I mean, I'd spend a lot of time editing our videos. Dude, he busted a guy the other day. This is, this is, this is sad. The guy was... He edited his photos for the competition that he won. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the Middle Eastern dude, right? The Middle Eastern dude. He won that something guy was in Japan. Jacked. Did you see he the... was jacked in... in you, first of all, you came in first place. You had the best body. He put somebody else's abs on himself. Why? Did you see like he did a side? It wasn't just that. He also like adjusted his quads. I'm like, dude, no, no. The quads, but it was his quads like adjusted. He literally took someone else's abs and put them on his abs. I'm like, you won the competition, my dude, guy. Yeah, you were you were the best. The best of the best today. In in the amateur competition. We're gonna take come on. It wasn't He did the same thing too. That's so salty, bro. <laughs> I loved it. I, that was so dude, salty. I loved it. <laughs> that was so salty. First of all, Goob himself is jacked. I know, he doesn't have a jacked guy's face. I feel like him and I are twins that way. Oh, boy. What? You and him are twins that way? No, I've got a very fat face. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I thought the jackness. No, far from it. You don't know that. I know that. I have not taken my shirt off in front of you in years. Take it off now? Yeah. (laughs) How bad do you want the subs? (laughs) If All you right. want to, if you want to see me with my shirt off, you can subscribe to my OnlyFans. No, no. If you want to see Chris with his shirt off, let's get this video to 100 likes. No, 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 no. <laughs> Set the bar real low. <laughs> no, 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 no. 300 views, and I'll do shirt off. That's a that's a low barometer. Oh, that's a five dollar. No, 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 no fake followers. You piece of shit. No, all right, deals off. I don't trust you. Yeah, this fucking guy. I'm pretty sure you're behind that that bullshit fake sub stuff that happened too. What fake sub stuff? One day we just got like a hundred followers out of nowhere. Somebody like, said, if you're a listener and, and you, I don't know, somehow got us three, four hundred subscribers that day, we're trying to figure out who sent us subscribers. We have no idea. Why are you acting like somebody did it? Like, I feel like somebody was talking about us and a bunch of people came over. That's we, we got a bump. Nah, I'm pretty sure they were all fake trolls. Nah. Yeah, because they, they went back to the way afterward. No, not all of them. Yeah. yeah. yeah most of them. Not mm. all of them. Anyways, you got anything else? Yeah, yeah, I do. Shoes up, let's go. What do you want me to do? Oh, Travis Day. Yeah, let's kiss him. Let's kiss him. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Arun, you want to get any? Oh, never mind. <laughs> He's wearing sandals today. He went back to his old ways. Did he really? Yeah. yeah. Flip-flops, basketball shorts, t-shirt. Is that what you wear all day? I mean, I change when I come here, but yeah, I wear the same stuff. You do? Why? Why do you change? Yeah, why, why do you change from flip-flops, basketball shorts, and a t-shirt? To, to flip-flops, basketball shorts, and a t-shirt when you come here. It's feel clean. I take a shower before I leave the house. Interesting methodology. So you don't shower when you get back from the house? I do. How many showers a day are you taking? Episode days? Uh, three. Three showers? Okay, I'm confused. I'm, I'm, call, I'm, I'm, I'm calling shenanigans. Yeah, I'm going to go with him on the shenanigans thing. You did not take three showers. Yeah, so no. you, mm-hmm. you, you wake up in the morning, you take a shower, you take another one at lunchtime, and you take another one before you come to the show? No, I take one when I wake up. Before I go to sleep, and then um, for podcasts, I take it right before I come. Okay, I don't, I'm very confused. Do that I, right there is very confusing me. Do you smell? Do people tell you smell? Why? Why so um, many showers? Are you eating a lot of like smelly foods? <laughs> yes, a lot of asparagus. Um, a lot of Bangkok curry. <laughs> no, I just uh, makes me feel fresh. Okay, feels fresh. 
Maybe what? I should just do what Chris does. Um, or no, no, it's Saeed. That makes you feel fresh. What? I'll work out and then just go to dinner with the family and stuff. No, that's not what I said I do. You're, now you're taking it out of context. Yeah, you said you work out mm -hmm. and then you go the rest of the day and you don't shower until nighttime. All right, Chris, let me ask you a question. You want to play this game? No. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> you say you don't take showers after the podcast on days you don't work out. Mm -hmm. You didn't work out today. You going to take a shower when you get home? No. So let me get this right. We're going to do this today. Christopher, you took 5,099 steps. I have a stand-up desk. Yeah. What, so what does that mean? I'm moving you, all the time. Christopher. I didn't go out and, like, exercise. I know. You took 5,000 steps. I don't sweat You're like you, bro. You're not going to shower today? No. I've got I want, I want you to know that's sensitive utter, skin, man. Utter, and also, what else did you do today? What else? I, I don't know what you're telling me. You walked into the bathroom without your shoes on. No, I walked out of the bathroom without my shoes on. <laughs> that makes it so much better. No. Wait, I, why? Oh, God. Oh. Fuck inside. Okay, look, you piece <laughs> of shit. The back of my feet, I bought a new pair of shoes, not the Travis Scott's. And they're, they're Air Max 90s, all right? The Air Max 90s, I wore them with low-cut socks, and they dug into the back of uh, my ankles. Yeah, it happens all the time. Right? New shoes, they do that. Yeah, right? especially if you're wearing low-cut socks. Right. So stupid-ass me. Yeah. Went to the gym, didn't bring my other socks, cut into my feet. It got They started bleeding the scabs there, right? Mm, yeah. I want to wear my Travis Scott's today because I want to show off my ankles. Shout out to everybody out there with the foot fetish. <laughs> and, uh, you know. That's impressive. Thank you. And uh, the unfortunately, when I got to work, I realized that my Travis Scott's were, like, poking into that same spot where it tore into my skin, broke the skin. Yeah. So I got two Band-Aids. I went to the bathroom, right? Because I had to wipe off a little bit of the blood. Right? We have a first, we have a first aid kit in the, yeah. hall, in the hallway. Yeah, that's where I went to the band-aids. In the bathroom? No, in the first aid kit. I went okay. and got the band-aids. Okay. Then I went to the bathroom to get a towel and wipe it off with some water. They have cleaning solution in there, too. You know that, right? Okay, again, I don't want to be cleaning my blood in the break room or the, oh, or the your copy room. Your office? It's what? blood, bro. You weren't. Don't make it sound like you were dripping blood. No, I, you still see it here. Look, I'll show you, bro. It's you, a little bit. Look, look, look at that. It's a little bit. Of, there you go. You see that? You happy now? There's nothing there. That's, that's bring blood. It to the camera. You bring no, it to the show. I'm not, I'm not bringing it to the camera. <laughs> 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 guy, bro. It does not justify why you're walking out of the bathroom no. without shoes on. I took my shoes off to put the. I had socks on, dude. <laughs> it's still disgusting. It's not like people shit in front of the sink, bro. It's a if men's. You, it's a men's bathroom. There shouldn't be any urine in front of the sink. Okay. This is. This is we you, literally I'm just finished you, construction on that thing a week ago. I'm telling you right now, you lost this one. Let it go. That I walked out of the bathroom with no shoes on. You can't defend this. It was digging in the. You know what? Fuck you. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, I'm okay with Final that. Final answer. Yeah, I'm good with fuck that. Fuck you. Yeah, okay? there you go. Oh, dude, you got I'm, anything? I'm gonna fucking. Nope. I'm gonna punk your ass on the way into work tomorrow. <laughs> I'm, gonna I'm gonna take your fucking shoes and I'm gonna make you take a shit with socks on. <laughs> Dirty fucking birdie. <laughs> Me? Yeah, with your no showering ass. Fuck out of here. All right. Good night, everybody. Bye. <laughs>